1: A Christian has hope, a confident assurance, an assurance and hope that looks forward in anticipation for the return of Christ, as we'll see today here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Christ Jesus is the key to understanding your life. You, as a believer, are in Christ, and you can never be separated from Him. Much like fish surrounded by water, as Christians, you and I are surrounded by Christ. We welcome you to Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. We invite you to spend time with us here in Galatians chapter 5 as we study together our freedom in Christ.
2: It's not just a matter of obeying a few things. You've got to obey everything perfectly and the slightest infraction between conception and death makes it all fall to the ground. For cursed is everyone who does not live by everything in the law of God. But the point Paul is making here is that the Christian doesn't work At this never-ending point of making process, progress, full of uncertainty and frustration. That is not the way the Christian lives. The Christian knows that his salvation is settled, that it is accomplished. That all of the work needed to be done to accomplish his eternal salvation has been accomplished once and for all. In the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now in faith and perseverance, he waits for the completion of what Christ accomplished. That is the completion of the whole process of salvation at the end of the world. So he waits, not passively, but he waits in faith, knowing that the accomplishment of the salvation is not in himself, but it has been settled, it has been done, it is finished, and it is irreversible. Christ died for sinners, and he took upon himself the condemnation we deserved. He turned away God's wrath, satisfied God's justice, so that we, for whom he died might obtain eternal redemption when he died and be reconciled to God. So now, he waits for a hope for righteousness and faith, knowing that what God has started in his life, he is going to bring to perfection. He is going to bring it to an end. But you might ask the question, I thought we got righteousness credited to us when we first believed well what is this hope for righteousness off in the future why does he say a christian has to wait for righteousness after all i thought the book of galatians was written to tell us we already had it in justification by faith in christ alone why does paul speak of a hope for righteousness yet to be possessed when the whole point of the book of Galatians is the righteousness of Christ being credited to your account the moment you receive Him as your Savior. And all debts that you had with God have been liquidated because Jesus paid it all. So, what is this hoped for righteousness? Well, it is true. At the moment you repented of your sins and you put your faith in Christ Jesus alone for salvation, that moment, the judge of heaven and earth declared you forgiven, not guilty. He accepted you into his family as his child on the basis of what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us when he died in our place on the cross and earned salvation for everyone for whom he died. So you had credited to your account when you had nothing but a big fat zero in your account, the righteousness of Christ, his holiness, his purity, his merits, so that when you stand before God and he says, why should I allow you into my heaven? You say, not because of anything in me, but because of the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. I was credited to my account the moment I believed in Jesus. All right, the, victory, the verdict has been passed. You don't have to spend the rest of your life wondering what the verdict is going to be on the last day. That verdict has been passed. The judge of heaven and earth has justified you by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, then again, what is this hope for righteousness? Well, the Bible teaches that someday, when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back to the earth, historically and physically and gloriously as King of kings and Lord of lords, which is on Judgment Day, everyone who has ever lived will stand before God. God will raise everyone who has ever lived, including all those who are alive at that time. And there on Judgment Day will be billions upon billions of people who have lived throughout the history of mankind. And everyone will have to stand before him. And on that day, the same judge who rendered concerning you the verdict of not guilty the moment you believed, will that moment, Declare that verdict to a gathered universe. You know a lot of people don't believe that about you and I. You go out here into the world and tell people you are justified by God, that you have a personal relationship with the creator of the universe, that you are confident that there is even a creator of the universe and you are in contact with him, and he has forgiven your sins, they will just think you are some kind of nutty religious fanatic, just making things up as you go along. There are people out there who just think we are fools and don't believe these things about you and me. Or they may say, well, if it works for you, just do it. I don't believe it. So I'm going to do what works for me. They believe there is just as much truth and just as much error in what they believe as what you believe. Well, there is coming a day when the doubters will see when all of the critics, all those who have ridiculed, all those who have persecuted, all those who have challenged the truth, or our Christian experience and our faith, who will someday be standing before the judge of the universe, and he will look them right in the eye, and he will say, You know so-and-so, and so-and-so, and -and and -and so-and-so that claim to know me personally, and be my children, forgiven by me, and you laughed at them? Well, everything they said was true about themselves. And the judge of heaven and earth will publicly declare to a gathered universe on that day what he has already assured you of in your heart that was true of you the moment you believed in Jesus. And that is that he has really and truly rendered a verdict of not guilty concerning you and really and truly has forgiven you of your sins, and really and truly has made you His child and brought you into fellowship with Himself. My friends, that is not a figment of your imagination. It is not wishful thinking. It is true, and someday He will gather everyone around His throne, and He will publicly declare that to be true about you And me. So what is a Christian? A Christian is someone who waits in faith for the hope for righteousness. For that public declaration before the universe of what God said is true of us. And that is in fact true. And we look forward to it in hope. Hope means certainty. It means confident assurance. It is not some negative thing. A Christian is someone who lives in the certainty that what God has begun in his life, he will bring to fruition, to perfection. A Christian has hope. He has confident, assurance, certainty that what God has begun in him, God will finish. And what God has begun in him, God will perfect on the day of Christ Jesus' return. So he looks forward. And anticipation toward that day. He knows that day is coming. He knows that the struggles that he has to deal with in this life now. With sin. With being consistent in living a, a life of holiness. Someday those struggles are going to be over. And he longs for that day. He knows that day is coming. And he can hardly wait for it to come. And notice what his hope is. His hope is not to be raptured out of this world. His hope is for a spiritual life to be perfected. That when he goes to heaven, he knows not only will he not sin again. But he knows he will never want to sin again. He knows he will never be able to sin again. He will have neither the freedom nor the ability ever to choose to sin again. And he longs for that day. And he is certain that day will come. Notice the next thing the text says about the true Christian. It says in verse 6, For in Christ Jesus. That phrase, in Christ Jesus is not just the key phrase for understanding the Apostle Paul's theology and doctrine and ethics, but being in Christ Jesus is the key to understanding your life and your experience in this world every day of your life here because every day and every moment of every day in everything you do, you as a believer are in Christ and you can never Be separated from him. A fish is in the water, surrounded by water. A bird is in the air, surrounded by that air. And you as Christians are in Christ, surrounded by his love and his power. That is, you are so close to Jesus Christ, that everything Jesus is, he is for you that you are in such a close relationship with Him every day of your life, that whatever He promises is certainly going to come true in your life. And you are so close to Him that everything that belongs to Him in the universe belongs to you. Live like that every day, beloved. Every day of your life, live in Christ. You are so close to Him that everything He has... And everything he promises is yours. Most everyone knows the text, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. But verse 10 is much less known. Yet it is just as important as verses 8 and 9. Verses 8 and 9 say, "...for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves." It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now notice verse 10. For we, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared, be prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It says, when we are saved by grace, God and God alone works in our hearts. We are products of his activity, and he creates in us, in Christ, and brings us so close to him that he rubs off on us, so to speak. And just as Christ's life was manifested every day by good works and doing good things and thinking good thoughts, so God brings us into so close a relationship with Christ that he rubs off on us and we begin, like Christ, to manifest good deeds and and good thoughts and holy motives in our lives, just as He did. And, And that's why He saved us. That's why He recreated us. It wasn't just to keep us from going to hell when we die, but to bring us into a close relationship with Jesus so that His purity would rub off on us. So the good deeds that he did all the time, would show up in our lives. Turn to Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and delivered himself up for me. He said, all of my redeemed life, Christ and myself have been inseparable. He provides me daily with the strength of his presence in my life. My close close relationship with him motivates me. It strengthens me. Provides me with everything I need to live by faith in this world. I don't live by my own strength. I live by faith in Christ who loved me. And gave himself up for me. Do you remember the great parable Jesus told in John 15 uh, about himself? He said, I am the vine. You are the branches. As long as you abide in me, as long as you stay close to me, you draw from me this life-giving sap that flows from my life into your life. It enables you to bear fruit to the glory of God. It enables you to pray and, and see answered prayer. It enables you to love. It enables you to obey God's commandments. It enables you to withstand persecution for righteousness sake. It enables you to die for your friends. To give up your life on their behalf. Your whole life is different. It is Christ like Because as a Christian, every day of your life, you are grafted in. You are in Christ. And He is the constant source of your life and your energy. Every day you live in a close relationship with Him. Whether you feel it or not. And living in a close relationship with Christ means that Christ's perfect life and His purity... And his holiness are going to rub off and show themselves in your life. Now notice in the last part of verse 6 about the true Christian. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith working through love. Now here Paul is not downplaying God's instituted sacraments. The issue was not whether circumcision was at one time a sacrament in the Old Testament. The issue was what these legalists were doing with it. And they were believing that besides faith in Christ, you had to do all these rituals in order to make points with God. So Paul is saying here in verse 6, If you are circumcised, don't brag about it because you don't get any points with God for it. Are you uncircumcised? You're not identifying with the Jews. Don't don't brag on that. You don't get any points with God for that either. All that is needed is faith working through love. How do you know you have faith? How do you know you're not fooling yourself? How do you know that your faith is not simply an intellectual assent to certain historical events? Just like you believe that George Washington was the president of the United States. How do you know your faith is real? That it's not just some intellectual thing. It is because, beloved, faith manifests itself faith works itself out in love faith proves its genuine character by the means of love now don't get me wrong you're not justified by love you don't get any points for loving you can't say well if I love enough people and I'm kind to enough people that will count for something That doesn't count for anything with God. Love does not precede faith. You can't have love until you have faith. There's nothing meritorious about love. Love is not simply a warm feeling in the pit of your stomach. Love is, to quote the Bible, the fulfilling of the law of God from the heart that is to treat and consider other people more important than yourself. In other words, the way God says they are to be treated is from your heart, being willing to give yourself to them for their holiness and their happiness. And just as faith without works is dead, faith without love is dead. You show me someone who says, I'm a Christian. But he has absolutely no involvement in anyone's life. His only concern is what people can do for me. How people can give me sympathy. How people can be my friends. How people can meet my needs. And he makes absolutely no attempt to meeting the needs or serving and fulfilling other people. And I show you someone whose faith is fake. They have no true faith at all. But a person is a true believer. If a person is a true believer, that belief, that faith that is resting on Christ alone is going to manifest itself as being alive and will show itself in the love, the self-giving of yourself on behalf of other people. So there is a descriptive sketch of the true Christian in the world in which many, If not most professed Christians are deceiving themselves, thinking they are Christians when they are not at all. Are you leaning on the strength of the Holy Spirit to resist sin, to obey the Lord and to seek to be Christ-like in your life? For through faith, through the Spirit, by faith, are you consistently resting upon Christ alone to bring into your life What he purchased for you on the cross to keep you growing as a Christian. Are you walking by faith in Christ's word and not by sight? Subjecting yourself to it. Doing whatever it says. Believing whatever it says to believe. Are you waiting for the hope of righteousness? Not waiting passively. But waiting in faith with confident assurance, certainty, persevering in well-doing. Even during difficult times for the completion of the salvation that God has already started in your life. Are you looking forward to the day when you will never sin again? Are you so embarrassed now about the sins in your life? Show ashamed of the inconsistent way you obey the Lord that you look forward to that day for that hope for righteousness when you will never sin again and you will live throughout all eternity in perfect righteousness and consistent and faithful obedience to the living God. If this is descriptive of you at all, Praise God for it, for it is all a work he has done in you. If it is not, then cry out to God for mercy. Repent of your sins. Believe in Christ alone for salvation and through the power of the Holy Spirit working in you and with the freedom you now have. Walk in obedience to the word of God out of gratitude. For such a loving God. Amen.